Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. If you're okay with this, we're just going to kind of like, you know, sometimes you put, just put your toe in the pool and get in you know, carefully. Sometimes you just cannonball in. We're just going to kind of like cannonball in. That's okay with you. I'm open up to Matthew chapter 2. And as you're doing that, um, to kind of jog our thinking about what we're talking about, um, Kind of talking about, I guess you could call it the ultimate road trip. So I was asking in the middle schoolers if they've had like bad road trip experiences. Um, if you went on the mission trip with us this past summer, we had a bad road, not bad road. It just seemed like it took forever to get where we were trying to go. You ever had a trip like that? It takes forever, like way too long. Um, sometimes bad road trip experience involve puke, which if you ever tried to get the smell of puke out of a car, like it never gets out of a car. Like, so yeah. Imagine these, you know, we're going to be talking about the wise men tonight, or they are known as the three kings. Imagine their road trip that's estimated it took 12 to 18 months to get from where they left to, to, to where Jesus was. Um, so as we were talking about road trips, that's kind of leading into our fake news from the Christmas story. Now, yeah, that's not a political statement. I know I told you last week, you know, fake news. Um, I'm not... Yeah, I'm that giant meteor 2020 guy. I think we're messed up either way, no matter what happens. I think we're in big trouble. Um, but, um, but we talked last week about the fake news of that Jesus was born in a barn. Jesus was not born in a barn. We talked about how Jesus was probably born in the lower floor of a house where the manger was in the window. And if you weren't here last week, um, you know, get on the app and podcast it because it'd take a long time to get you guys back up to speed on that one. Um, but tonight we're going to be talking about these guys, these wise men, these kings, and they went on a, a long road trip. I mean, imagine all the bathroom breaks on a 12-month-long camel ride. Like, <laughs> that sounds terrible, like terrible, right? Um, yeah, yeah, they took a long trip on a camel, and I'm not talking about like the, um, the nicotine kind of camel. I'm talking, yeah, they went on a long trip on a camel. And yeah, was it worth it? Well, they say it was, and that's kind of like the punchline of our lesson tonight is that when it's all said and done, pursuing Jesus is worth it. Um, that's kind of like, if, I don't, if you don't remember anything else, I hope you remember that. That's why I put it on the screen. If, it, when it's all said and done, following Jesus really is worth it. Uh, so before we get into Matthew 2, I want to present, you know, we, we're going to do the same as we did last week. I'm going to give the fake news, the real news, the good news, and the hard news. So we're going to start with the fake news. And here's the fake news. The fake news is this, that Jesus was visited by three kings on the night he was born. That's the fake news. And remember last, last week I said, yeah, I'm going to be telling you some things that are wrong with your grandma's you know, gaudy nativity scene she has in the front yard. Don't go to grandma's house at Christmas and, and, and talk, talk smack about her nativity set. Like, like grandma gets you good gifts, okay? So, so this isn't meant for you to be like one of those people, like one of those actually kind of people, you know, that, that, that picks on, you know, people that may have something a little bit wrong theologically. Don't be that, okay? Um, but the fake news is that Jesus was visited by three kings on night he was born. So most of the nativity sets, they've got like a barn where Jesus was born in. We learned last week that was fake. And they've got these three guys with crowns on. They've got these little, almost look like jewelry boxes of gifts. You know, that they're like giving, they're small little gifts. Um, you know, the star over top of the barn and, barn and they're there with shepherds, you know, and the, the wise men and the shepherds are all together. Well, the, what we're going to learn in Matthew and the Bible is that the Bible never calls them kings. He actually never says, the, the Bible never says there are three of them. They don't give a number as to how many of these wise men there were. Um, we learned that they were not there when the shepherds were there. They were there after the shepherds were there because Jesus was probably 12 to 18 months old when, the, when, when these wise men had arrived. So they weren't there at the na traditional uh, nativity scene. 
So there, that's, that's the fake news. So if you have your Bible, we're going to look at Matthew 2, and we're going to learn the real news. But first, we're going to read the passage here. If you don't have your Bible, I got the words on the screen. We're going to read the uh, first 12 verses of Matthew. Here, here they are. Verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east of Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose. That was when Jesus was born. Um, we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where this Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, so as it was written by the prophet. Now they're quoting. And you, Bethlehem, O land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men and secretly ascertained. That's a cool word. Secretly ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you found him, bring me word that I too may come worship with him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way. Behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceeding with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed their own way into another country. Um, so before we get to the real news, just to kind of summarize, like that's a lot that happened in like 12 verses, right? Um, so it, it, started, it starts by giving a, a time when Jesus is born. Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. That's where he was born, when he was born in the days of Herod the king. And this is what happened. A star rose to the sky. And when that happened, there were wise men. We're going to talk about who they were in a second. They came from the east to Jerusalem and they show up saying, they, they, they come to the king. They, they show up to Herod the king. They say, where is this king who's been born, king of the Jews. Now you have to understand Herod was the king of Judea. He was the king of the Jewish people. He was the, you know, there was the Roman empire was over the whole world and they had kings that ruled in as a part of the empire. And Herod was the king of the Jews. So when somebody comes in to your kingdom and says, hey, who is this person who was born king of the Jews? Like, yeah, that's, that's a problem. You know, that, you know, somebody else is the king of the people I'm supposed to be king of. That, you know, if I'm a king, that's, yeah, that's, that's a problem. So Herod was, of course, it says he was troubled in verse 3. And then, um, so then he, 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 one of two ways. You can just like chop the heads off of the people who say there's another king but you. Or he plays the long game, right? And he tries to figure out like, okay, maybe if I can find out who this person is, I can take care of business. So he tells the wise man, just hold on. Let me see if I can find out where this king is supposed to be born. So he gathers around the chief priests and the scribes of the Jewish people who had all these prophecies about when this king is supposed to be born. He says, okay, do you guys have, know of any prophecies in the Hebrew scriptures that tell us when this king was supposed to be born and where? And they say, well, according to the scriptures, they quote from Isaiah, that, or excuse, they quote from Micah that, Jesus, that this king, this king of the Jews was supposed to be born in this little city, you know, about 50 miles east of Jerusalem or west of Jerusalem called Bethlehem. So he, he brings the wise men back in. He says, the king was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. So you guys go find him, go worship him. And once you find him, come back to me and let me know where he is. Cause I want, I want to go worship him too. You know, we call it, we, yeah, we call bull, right? That's yeah, he does not want to, he wants to, he wants to kill this king that he sees as an imposter king. That's a threat to his, his, his kingship, right? So the wise men, they go to Bethlehem and when they go to Bethlehem, they see the star and the star rests on this like one house. It's the house that Jesus was staying at. 
He's still in Bethlehem. Joseph and Mary are still in Bethlehem. Almost a, a year to a year and a half after Jesus was born, they find that Jesus probably almost ready to potty train maybe. We don't know. And, and, and when they find Jesus, it says they fall at their feet and they worship him and they give him gifts. And then before they go back to, um, you know, back to Jerusalem to tell Herod where this child is, um, an angel appears and says, hey, don't go back to Herod. Go another way. Herod wants to kill, kill, kill this child, so they go back another way. So that's, in a nutshell, what happened there. The fake news was, right, that three kings visited Jesus. Here's the real news, that wise men worshiped Jesus as king. Who were these wise men? It's really interesting, and it's kind of one of those things, like I said, we could go an hour into this because it's just so, you may not think it's cool. I think it's cool. Um, it's just so cool because when you look at this word, look at, go back to verse 1, and it says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the days of Harry King. Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. So this is what we know about these they're not kings, they're wise men. That they were wise men from the east. If you look at the, you know, originally Matthew's eyewitness account of Jesus was not written in English, right? It was written in Greek. Um, it was written in a certain kind of Greek called Koine Greek. And that word for wise men is the word magos, which is kind of a word that meant magician, um, sorcerer. You know, think like Jafar, you know, sorcerer. Um, and, and that word was, was also translated in some versions of the Bible. Maybe your Bible says magi. Now, that was a term that, that meant something back then. Um, it was a term to describe a group of people. You know how we kind of have made-up terms to describe a group of people? When I was in high school, there were these kind of people that were called emos. I don't know if they still exist or not. I mean, they exist, but I don't know if it's still like a thing. But yeah, and it, it wasn't like a proper noun. There wasn't like a national association of emo people or anything like that. Like, it wasn't a country. It wasn't an ethnic group. It was just a designation of a certain kind of people, right? Well, yeah, these magi were a certain kind of people, and they originated a long time ago, and they lived in the East. Now, when we think of the East, we think of like, uh, everybody okay back there? Okay. I hear like music coming from back there or something. Okay. Um, so we're talking about these magi, right? And, and they, they came from the East. And when we think of the East, we think of like China, you know, we think of Korea, we think of Japan, we think of you know, that, the East. The East back then, it meant like Persia. It meant like you know, modern-day Iran, um, Iraq, Turkey, that area. And those, you know, they, they came from that area, and they were, the Magi just meant spiritual men who studied stars in the East. They were astrologers. They thought, and, you know, there are still people like this today, they thought that they could learn spiritual lessons and harness, like, spiritual power by studying the stars and the constellations and that it meant something. And, you know, we still see that, you know, kind of today, people that believe in, like, you know, zodiac signs and, like, like you know, that, that kind of stuff. Um, but something happened to these guys. They'd been in existence for thousands of years. And, oh, I... I wish we had time to get, this is so cool. Um, but they existed even into the Old Testament. And with the first time we read about them, we learn about them is in Daniel chapter two. And if you're a Bible buff, you'll know what happens in Daniel. Chapter, in Daniel. Um, Daniel was removed from his homeland of Israel, taken to Babylon, which is the east. And, and, there, were, and the, there was a king there named Nebuchadnezzar and he had this really terrible dream. And back then they believed that dreams meant something, that they were like, a, a, you know, you could tell your fortune you know, by, by what dream. So he had all these magicians come to interpret a dream of his, the magi. And when they could, they were unable to interpret his dream. 
And he got really mad at him, was going to kill them all. And then Daniel shows up, and Daniel says, I can tell you what that dream is. And he interprets the dream for Nebuchadnezzar. I know there's a long way around. It's going to make a connection. I promise, okay? I can tell you're, you're getting, you're like, Matt, this is going anywhere. Okay, it's going somewhere. Okay, hold on for like one more minute, 60 seconds, okay? So Daniel interprets this dream correctly. Instead of killing all the magi, Nebuchadnezzar says, okay, Daniel, since you were better than all these wise men, all these magicians, what I'm going to do is I'm going to promote you, Daniel, to master of the magi, which sounds like an incredible title. I mean, that's just... <laughs> I mean, I'd take that, you know, uh, Matt McClay, Master of the Magi. I mean, that would be, yeah. But anyway, Daniel becomes, you can read about it in the book of Daniel. He becomes Master of the Magi. So Daniel, who is someone who believed the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, who knew all the prophecies about this coming Messiah, about this coming King, who was a God-fearing person, all of a sudden is in charge of all these Eastern mystics. Really interesting. So what do you think he teaches them? What do you think he, what do you, what do you, what do you think he, he instructs them in into, into, into how to be spiritual people? He instructs them in the Hebrew scriptures. He tells them the prophecies about this coming Messiah. He turns the Magi, some of them at least we learn, into God-fearing people. Pretty cool, okay? And they exist. They survive all four major world empires. Yeah, back then it was Babylon when Daniel was, in, when, when Daniel was the master of the Magi. Then the Medes, Medo-Persian Empire took over. The Magi still existed. Then the Greeks took over. The Magi still existed. Then the Romans took over. The Magi still existed. And they became known as not just um, wise men, but they became known as kingmakers. For anyone to be the king of that region of the east, they had to do two things. They had to attain the level of Magi and they had to be approved of by the Magi. So nobody could be a king in that area without being approved by the Magi, which makes it, all, of course, all the more interesting that the Magi came and they bowed to Jesus as king, right? The, the kingmakers saw Jesus as king. What else is really cool? Oh, darn it, we're just gonna do it. Um, in, in Daniel chapter two, we may not finish the lesson, but in Daniel chapter two, when they can't, the Magi can't interpret this dream before Daniel gets promoted to master the Magi, this is what they say. This is their frustration about not being able to interpret this dream. They say this in verse 11. The thing the king asks, interpreting this dream, the thing the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except for the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. They say there's, there, it's, it's possible for this to be done, but since God is not here with people, God won't dwell with people, it can't happen. But then 600 years later, oh, by the way, this was a weird word, hereditary priesthood, meaning if you were, a, if you were part of the Magi, you would descend, you, your descendants would be Magi, and their descendants, it's kind of like, you know, like, I watched the series on Netflix, The Crown, like, you know, like you know, you, you, just like the Queen of England, her descendants will be, you know, royalty, it, it was direct descendants. So, 600 years later, the descendants of these guys who said God doesn't dwell with people were bowing their knees in front of God, Jesus, who was dwelling with people and God who had become a person in Jesus. It's really incredible, isn't it? Is the computer turned up back then? Okay, okay, I was just, just, just curious. I thought I heard a really good voice coming from back there. I couldn't tell what it was. Um, so, so all this to say, the Magi said that Jesus was king. The Magi weren't king. They were king makers. And 600 years later, they realized this promise that Jesus was king. So that's what happened when they came to search for Jesus in Jerusalem. The wise men worshiped Jesus as king. 
Now the rubber's gonna start to meet the road, okay? You take heart, the rubber's gonna meet the road. We're back in Matthew chapter five or chapter two, and here's the good news. Here's the good news. The good news is that everybody is invited to pursue Jesus as king. You know, I, there, there's one memory that'll always be kind of forever burned in my mind. Um, I went to a, a school that was a Christian school. Um, it was a good school, um, but I was a big troublemaker in that school. I mean, I got in a lot of trouble. I don't know if any of y'all ever get in a lot of, I got in a lot of trouble. And um, I got, we had class elections. I don't know if you guys still do that. We had class elections and I got voted in senior class president. And I got called into the principal's office, which was nothing new, but I got called in the principal's office. And um, I was told something to the effect of, you're not spiritual enough to be class president. And I'll never forget like how that stuck with me. You know, you ever have somebody say something to you that just sticks with you? And so I, I, you know, even in, in my college years, I always thought, yeah, I am on this low spiritual rung here. Like, like, like there are good people, there are people that God wants to use, and then there's me, you know, the class clown, the goofball, the cut up, you know, the person who was always sent out of class. But what's so in- incredible about this passage and what, you know, what gives me, you know, helps me take heart even now because I still feel like, yeah, you know, that, that's always stuck with me, that I don't measure up, is that who did God choose to crown Jesus as king for the first time on earth? Did he choose the Jewish people who had all these prophecies and should have known when Jesus came, this is him? He chose Gentile people. He chose people who were considered to be kind of weird. I mean, all the Jewish people who know all the prophecies about Jesus, they thought the wise men were weird. I mean, they talked funny. They were really into stars, which is just, just weird. Um, it, but who were the people that got to crown Jesus as king? It was the Gentiles. Herod had an opportunity, the king, but he saw Jesus as a threat. His pride stopped him from following Jesus. The Jewish leaders had all the answers, but they never sought Jesus personally. The people who rec- should have recognized Jesus as God's plan totally missed it. So God orchestrated these events from Daniel becoming master of the Magi to this star appearing in the sky in front of gods who were really into stars, that was their thing, to taking care of them on this long journey. He orchestrated all these events for this one purpose. So these Magi who were considered to be on the lower rung of spirituality could meet Jesus. And God does the same for us. If God could work those events over the course of six, more than 600 years so these men could meet Jesus, don't you think God has worked some events out in your life so that you're in a place in your life right now where you can know Jesus through his word and you can follow Jesus? Don't you think it's no, it's no accident that I'm here tonight and that you're here tonight and that we're reading this passage tonight, that we're learning about Jesus tonight? You may consider yourself down here spiritually like I did. But guess what? God wants, doesn't just want to save you. We talked about that last week, how God can save you. God wants you to pursue him as king. God wants you to live for him. And it's not just the super spiritual people that have Caleb bumper stickers on the back of their cars. It's me. It's you. God invited everyone to pursue Jesus as king. So that was the good news. The, the fake news was that three kings um, appeared to Jesus the night he was born. The real news is that the wise men worship Jesus King. The good news is everybody's invited to pursue Jesus as King. Here's the hard news. And this is very simple. <laughs> I wrote it in West Virginian too. Uh, following Jesus ain't easy. Pursuing Jesus ain't easy. Um, 
I've got a map here. I, I like reading old, like, I don't know, I guess I'm weird. I like reading old medieval maps that are written in Latin. And um, in, uh, I know I'm weird. You, you got to be weird to, to read Latin, and I am. <laughs> it's helpful, though. I learn a lot. Um, but um, I, I put an English map on here translated, but there's these old medieval maps that are incredibly poorly drawn. I mean, terribly drawn. Um, and that's back when they, you know, they thought there were dragons everywhere. And there, the certain uncharted areas, they would write either here be dragons or there be dragons, meaning you don't want to go through this section of the country. Um, I'll warn you on uh, following Jesus, sometimes there be dragons. Um, following Jesus is not always easy. Just consider the trip, the road trip that these wise men, oh, we're actually going to get out on time, that the wise men had to make in following Jesus. Here are some things that weren't very easy. The first thing that I noted was they traveled very far. Um, yeah, scholars have been able to kind of pinpoint, yeah, depending on where they were in the east, that the, uh, that the trip would have taken at the minimum 12 months, maybe up to 18 months of a journey. I mean, that's a long journey. That's a long ride. Uh, there's an author I like to read. You wouldn't like him. He's an old dead guy, but his name is Eugene Peterson. And he wrote a book on discipleship, and this was the title of the book. It's called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And following Jesus is a long obedience in the same direction. It's, it, it's, it's not an overnight trip. It's mile after mile after mile, sometimes uphill, sometimes downhill. Sometimes the ride's fun. Sometimes you're trying to find a bathroom because you got to pee and you can't find one. It's not always easy, but they traveled far. Um, what's cool is that in verse 2, they say, Who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star, and we've come to worship him. That's like the most understatement of, uh, of this whole passage. We've come to worship him. Like, it's no big deal. Like, oh, we just decided to come over here and worship him. No, it took them 12 to 18 months after they saw the star. And then in verse 10, it says, When they saw the star resting over Jesus' house in Bethlehem, they were overjoyed. And then in verse 11, they went to the house, they saw the child, and they worshiped him. That's a long trip. Next thing is, they had to say no to a lot of things to say yes to their journey, to their pursuit of Jesus. You ever heard the term FOMO? You know what that means? Somebody said it over there. Yeah, fear of missing out. FOMO. Um, they say that is one of the, the, the leading causes of like circumstance-driven anxiety um, among my generation, the millennials, and your generation, Gen Z, is because it used to be apparently like when maybe your parents or your grandparents um, were teenagers, that if they didn't go to a party, maybe they'd hear about what happened at the party. But now if you don't go to the party, you're watching like live almost, a live feed of what's going on at the party that you said no to, to do something else. Like it's an economic term, maybe for opportunity cost. You are realizing the opportunity cost of what you're saying no to and what you're saying yes to. And to say yes to one thing, you have to say no to like a million other things. And as soon as you say yes to this one thing, you get buyer's remorse. He's like, man, I could have done this. Man, I could have done that. You ever spend money and you're like, man, I wish I wouldn't have bought that. I should have bought this or I should have bought this or I should have bought this. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Some of you buy like a million things and you return half of them. I don't understand that. Um, but anyway. They had to say no to a lot of things in order to say yes to following Jesus. Think about it. I mean, they didn't have the holidays that we have, but they had to miss Thanksgiving with their family. They had to miss birthdays of loved ones. If they were old enough to have kids, they had to miss time with their kids for a year. 
Um, they, they didn't get to talk, and they, they, they had no way of communicating back then with their family. Um, they had no way to make money on this journey, so they missed out on a career. They had to say no to a lot of things to say yes to following Jesus. And sometimes in, in our lives, to say yes to following Jesus, it means we, we say no to things that aren't necessarily bad, but things that by definition we won't be able to do both. Um, I think about the, the missionaries that... Um, some of us are going to be visiting in the Dominican Republic who left this area and when, in, a, in 14 days during Christmas, they're going to be sitting around with maybe you know, a couple people in their family in the Dominican Republic with a bunch of Caribbean music playing and they're going to be thousands of miles away from all the rest of their family and that's what their holidays are like every time. They had to say no to some things to say yes to Jesus. And that may be a more extreme example, but all of us are gonna have to say no to certain things in order to say yes to what Jesus is calling us to do. Um, the next interesting thing, I, I mean, I, th I thought it was interesting. They found, they faced dangers and hardships. There, there's this like bad, like it's called the prosperity gospel going around that say Jesus wants to make you healthy and wealthy and happy. Um, tell that to, the, you know, tell, tell that to the, the wise men. I mean, they almost got killed by a king. Yeah, they faced hardships on their journey. Um, following Jesus does not mean your life's gonna be easy. It means your life's gonna mean something for eternity. It means your life's gonna be worth it. Next thing is they gave their best to the king. Uh, the, the gifts that they gave were symbolic. We don't have time for that, but the gold represented Jesus' royalty. Frankincense represented their worship to him because of sweet-smelling myrrh was a, a burial spice that represented Jesus' death. I guess we did cover it. But they gave really incredibly costly gifts to Jesus. And you know, back then, usually when an entourage would come from one country to another, it wasn't just a little jewelry box of gifts. It was like barrels of gifts. You know, you know big, big, like, big like messenger bags full of gifts. And the final thing, I think this is the biggest one, is they humbled themselves. These wise men, these kingmakers, these men that were like renowned, they traveled 18 months and bowed their knee to a child that probably wasn't even potty trained. Man, that takes some humility, doesn't it? Herod wouldn't do it. The Jewish leaders wouldn't do it. For some of us, it's a pride thing. The reason we won't follow Jesus, we say, it's my life. I'm gonna do what I wanna do. I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna live where I wanna live. I'm gonna take the job where I wanna live. I wanna date who I wanna date. I wanna, I wanna major in what I wanna major in. I wanna do with my time what I wanna do with my time. We gotta swallow our pride, right? We gotta become humble if we're gonna serve Jesus. But this is, the, this is the key. This is the key. If you don't get anything else, look at this. In verse 11, it says, when they saw the child at the end of all that, it was a hard journey, it wasn't easy. They fell down and worshiped him. Ask the wise men, was the road trip worth it? Were all the sacrifices worth it? And they would say a resounding yes, that following Jesus is not easy, but it's worth it. And I can tell you that to be true in my life too. Uh, I don't live on a, it's, it's not a super yeah, high every day. Uh, have a, I get in a lot of fights um, not fine. Yeah, I have, a, I have a lot. Yeah, a lot of people that don't you know, disagree with me. I have a yeah, I have a lot of discouraging times. But I will tell you this: I'm so glad I don't follow Jesus perfectly either. But I'm so glad I'm worth it. I'm so glad God used someone who was told that was not very spiritual that He would use someone like me. 
So we don't have time to get into the application, but if you can put up the slide map with the three Ps, we've got three P words tonight. I couldn't make them into F words, I'm sorry. But maybe think about these, um, maybe write them down. Um, you know, they're, they're questions to ask yourself um, about following Jesus. Am I really following Jesus like I should? Am I really pursuing Jesus? Your passion, are you really, are you in this for the long haul? Priorities, you know, what, are you, what does saying yes to Jesus cost you? And then plans, do you trust that God's plan is better than yours? Um, so I'm going to pray for you guys, and we're going to bring the middle school, and we're going to pray together, and then we're going to get out of here. Um, so I will tell you, follow, yeah, don't get anything else. Following Jesus is not easy. I don't know who told you that. Following Jesus is not easy, but it is so worth it. So let's pray, and we'll get out of here. Um, God, you ask each of us um, to, if need be, not always, but if need be, leave everything behind to follow you. Um, God, there. There will be times when that is tested where we have to make decisions based on um, what you've called us to do. Oh God, I pray that we'll learn from the example of these magi, um, these wise men. They were indeed wise um, because they chose to put you above all else. Uh, so God, I pray that you'll give us the courage to do that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.